Don't Fear the Wasteland, an apocalyptic broadcast. You know the drill. Montgomery, West, 50 miles, I'm the sheriff, yada yada. Marge's mother. What can I say about her? I haven't mentioned her much, have I? She sat there in the Papiski's truck, and after I got over my episode, I found her sitting on the back porch smoking a pipe with cherry tobacco, which stunk to high heaven and made me sick to my stomach. But I braved it the first time because Marge's mother saw me standing there, unsure, and spoke to me. Your friends? The ones that own the truck? The old woman asked. Yeah, they used to run a trade route with it, I told her, stepping closer and trying not to choke on the pipe smoke. You know they're dead, right? Sorry, girl. I imagine they went quick if it makes it better. My eyes watered. How? I asked. The old woman pulled her shawl closer against an imagined chill. It's the end of the world. Use your imagination. She looked me over. You can call me Mama. Everyone does. She paused, waiting on me to say something, but I didn't have words. The wasteland had claimed five more. Ed, Martha, and their kids have graves here, even if their bodies don't rest underneath. Someone has to remember them. I appreciated the old woman's bluntness. I wiped at my eyes and sat on the porch steps grieving the Papiskis. How small had the world gotten that Marge would find and bring back their truck? What had gotten them? How had Mama known? Turns out, Mama knew a lot of things. I'm not sure if it's because she's old or just wise, or maybe it's just more wasteland weirdness. After everything, it was easier to not ask questions. You tend to get more answers than you want asking questions. The six kids that had shown up with Marge and Mama were very loyal to the old woman, probably because she'd rescued them off the street, giving them a home. Mama was solid. She was almost always on the porch if it were warm out or in front of the fireplace in the winter months. She even took up video gaming with the kids in the den where they'd found an old Xbox I'd never shown any interest in. Mama liked soccer and first-person shooters, and she was surprisingly good after learning the mechanics of the game. The kids, and sometimes Frankie, would gather to watch Mama play, the young one yelling at the screen and encouraging the old woman. There had only been one fight over the video game system because Mama threatened to ground them if they didn't resolve their argument. That fixed things quick. I respected the old woman quite a bit. She was always around with a bit of wisdom to throw into the mix no matter the situation, but she never questioned my authority, not once. When decisions were to be made, she'd let me make the choice, and if she had an opinion, she voiced it gently. The old woman was too brittle to do much work around the farm, but she helped out where she could, and she was good with calming the horses and the children. She took Samma under her wing as well, told her stories on the porch. Sometimes I would interrupt their conversations by walking out there, and Mama would give me a strange look as she changed whatever topic they were talking about. It seemed Mama knew more than she let me in on. Mama's real name was Anita, but she rarely answered to it. She'd been raised in Kentucky in a big family with six sisters and brothers. Her mother stayed at home and cared for the children, and her dad was a banker. It was a normal life, entirely boring up until she ran away at 17 with a biker named Tony. They had Marge a year later, and a year after that a stillborn baby boy. 
Upset by the loss, the marriage didn't survive, and Mama and Anita moved on. Tony took custody of Marge, but the little girl spent her summers with her ma in Nebraska. Between the tales Mama and Marge told, their lives seemed happy enough. Anita dated here and there, as did Marge, but neither ever settled down. Like mother, like daughter, I guess. Mama and Anita enjoyed telling Sam her stories. The old woman had seen some wild things in the wasteland. On their trek to the last hurrah, after her and Marge's van broke down, they'd been forced to walk down the interstate. They'd ran into another wanderer and camped together that night on the shoulder. Their stranger was named Eric, and he was searching for others that needed his help. What help he could provide, he didn't say, but when Mama Anita told the story, she called Eric a messenger of God, an angel. Marge scoffed from the kitchen as Sam leaned forward, eager to know more. I'd been through my own experience with other beings, and I had no opinion to share about Mama's claim. Eric had a calm manner about him, Mama said. He knew things, and gave them advice about their journey, warning them to steer clear of certain mile markers and towns. His own story he kept mostly secret. All he'd say was that he'd been sent to help, and nothing was going to distract him from that mission, like others of his kind had been. Mama awoke that night just before dawn and saw Eric praying, milling in the middle of the road. He'd promised to keep watch for them. Wasn't tired, he said. Down the blacktop, something stumbled in the dark. Mama watched it get closer and closer, and still Eric prayed, lips moving silently. Mama sat up, thought to warn him, and then thought better of it and was a quiet witness instead. As the crawler reached Eric, the man stretched out a hand and marked the crawler's forehead with his thumb like it was Ash Wednesday. The crawler fell then, tumbling over onto the pavement and lay still. Eric scooped up its body and carried it away. In the dark, Mama laid back down and went to sleep. In the morning, after everyone woke and a meager breakfast was shared, which Eric added individually wrapped muffins to from his own pack, much to the surprise and delight of the kids, Mama Anita looked Eric in the eyes and asked how his night had been. Born enough, he replied. No visitors, she asked, and he shook his head. But I do have a surprise for you, he told them, and took Marge over to a blue pickup in the road. It started up on the first try and had a tank full of gas. Mama Anita didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, but she was very suspicious of Eric after that. When I heard the story, I asked her what the crawler looked like, and despite it being dark, she pretty much described Ed to a T. Guess that partly answered the question of what happened to the Papiskis, though I hope that maybe Martha and the boys had escaped the same fate. The rest of Mama's story about their trip to the last hurrah was rather boring in comparison, besides it taking too damn long. Rest stops, gas stations, and empty motor courts were in plentiful supply in the apocalypse, and they found respite at all three before they bumped up the drive to the farm. Sam listened to Mama's every word, rapt. Sometimes I would sit next to Sam on the swing and play with her curly hair as Mama told us stories about the apocalypse. She had a lot of them. She'd been in a bigger city when the burning happened, and luckily had been in an area where the flames ended up being put out quickly due to firewalls and extinguishers. That left more survivors than most places, but once the nurses abandoned the home, something that pissed Sam off, there was no one to stop the dementia-addled patients from wandering out in the waste. Mama did what she could, but knew she'd never be able to stop the others from leaving, and figured they'd find their own end, hoping it wouldn't be overly cruel. 
Eventually, she told me the story of how she came by six kids, and I was a little wound up by it. Mama had been in the nursing home alone with only a few other patients that still had their mental faculties for about a month when she decided to wander down the street to find, well, anything she could, really, be it better food or help. And she just needed some time outside, even if the world smelled like smoked human and ash. At the corner store, a man sat on the curb staring up at the sky. Being an old woman and having no fear whatsoever, she prodded him with her cane and asked what he was up to. Waiting on you, he told her. For what? she asked. He pointed over his shoulder at the convenience store. Inside, a couple of children were digging through the shelves. When Mama turned back, the man had vanished. She stepped into the convenience store and took those kids in, all six of them. And now they were at the last hurrah with a new life, new responsibilities, and happy for the first time in a long while. I knew a lot about Santa, and also not enough. Our outings to Birchfield's library had always been a time to talk non-stop about each other, and I memorized Sam's voice and every detail about herself that she gave to me. It hurts talking about her now. Samma was a nurse in the old world. She worked and lived in Nashville, which explained her singing voice. She didn't talk much about her parents because it pained her, and she didn't let me in much on what her life before the burning had been like, other than what the work she did in the hospital. She had lots of stories about patients, figuring HIPAA didn't really matter anymore, seeing as all of her patients were likely dead. We talked about her favorite music, Lady Gaga, and her favorite color, purple, and sometimes about what she missed most in the apocalypse, vodka and coffee shops. We shared weird dreams we'd had, and I told her about my family. The most she ever said about hers was that they were in heaven. I tried to pry, asking what her parents were like, if she had siblings, but she dodged all the questions, and eventually I let it go. It was the apocalypse. Maybe she just didn't want to think about her past. I should have asked more questions. I regret that now, not knowing her as well as I could have. I'm the sheriff, broadcasting from the last hurrah, your last chance at normalcy in the wasteland we used to call America. Head for Montgomery and then cut west. We'll be waiting. Don't Fear the Wasteland is a story-driven podcast by Joey Hall, chronicling Sheriff's journey in the apocalypse and broadcast as a radio show from the last hurrah in Alabama. It's an oasis for survivors in the blasted remains of the old world, or Earth as we know it now. To learn more about the wasteland where Sheriff spends her days, check out don'tfearthewasteland.com and joeyhall.com. Thanks for listening.